Good morning. That amen you got at the beginning was Jen, which is always helpful to, to have as well. It's good to have you all back here. It's good for me to be back here. I feel like I've been gone for a while, so it's good to be back. Good to see new faces, old faces. Good to see Eric here today as well. Welcome. Good to have you here. Uh, I want to start by breaking down a little bit uh, what Robin just read so beautifully, this idea of what it means to re-gift, and in this case, what it means uh, in this section of Scripture. And so here we see uh, this story. We've been going through this idea of the presence. What does it mean to be in the presence of the Lord? And in this case, uh, this event that is taking place here uh, happens a while after the birth. And so we've gone through this idea of like, man, how beautiful it is to, to have Jesus here. He's born to Mary and Joseph. We've gone through the, the story of Zechariah and how he was visited by Gabriel and Mary the same. And then we have Jesus and it's Christmas and that's beautiful. And then we move on, right? And then we don't think about Jesus again until Easter if we're, you know, following scripture. Is that right? I'll take your laughter as a no, which is a, a good thing in this case. I hope you don't think... I was thinking that as well, because now I feel like everybody's going to be like, well, the pastor only seems to care about Jesus at Easter. <laughs> Not good. In this case, we're going to talk about the regifting. Forty days after Jesus' birth, he is brought to the temple for this service, for this consecration service. And it's at this time that we meet these two characters, Simeon and Anna, keeping in mind that the whole premise for this story in Luke is that uh, the Holy Spirit has been absent there has been no presence of the Holy Spirit. There's been no presence of God in this area for 400 years. And yet all of a sudden, Gabriel shows up in the temple and starts talking to Zechariah. And all of a sudden, wait a second, God's doing something again and again and again through Mary and through the shepherds and through the neighbors and the families and the friends who are there for all of these different services. And we think that's the end of the story. But actually, God is moving in a bunch of different ways. And we meet these two characters, Simeon, and we meet Anna, who have also been given a word from the Lord, basically saying, hang tight, your guy is coming, and you won't die until you see his arrival in the case of Simeon. And for Anna, she's just being hyper-patient in this temple and just hanging out and believing that I'm not sure what's going to happen, but my prayer and fasting is helping usher something in. And even when it happens, Scripture tells us we don't know exactly what it is from Anna's perspective, but she does know the hour in which something has happened. And it isn't until 40 days later that this gift that was given to us in this manger was re-gifted to Anna and Simeon, which is where we're going to uh, take ourselves today. Um, but I want to talk a little bit more. I'm going to take where Jen left off from the kid's life story. I'm going to move us a little bit further in the, the testimony of what it means to be a re-gifter. Anybody a re-gifter? It's a safe place. You can only see me on the, on the live stream. It's fine. Good. Thank you for your honesty. And for the rest of you, good for you. Good for you. Way to take everybody's gifts and keep them or throw them away without giving them on to somebody else. Good for you. We're going to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of regifting because there are good regifting items, there are bad regifting items, and then there are the half-eaten, licked bags of gummy bears, which are the downright ugly regifting. So I want to start with this. Uh, I brought a bunch of stuff up here this week. Usually I do the, the kid's life story, and I do like a, an experiment, but I'm preaching this week. So I brought my kid's life story to you. 
So, yeah, this will be fun. We'll see, we'll see how this works. So I want to start with this. Um, you have probably seen this before, but um, have you seen the example where you are told if we put the right things in the right order, God will make everything fit? Have you seen this before? It's not a new idea. I didn't come up with this. But it, the basic principle is if, we, if you take something like sand and we consider this the stuff we have to do, right? And this is our day. And we have to try and somehow fit it in. If you do it right, you can put all the stuff that you have to do, like brush your teeth if you want to, take a shower, go to work, take care of your kids. And then there's the stuff that, you know, we are responsible for. This is going to be a great look on the live stream, me standing in a haze of smoke. And then you try and put everything back in and you take like, okay, well, my relationship with God fits in and, well, I have to, you know, I have to be a part of my marriage in a, in a productive way and I need to make sure I don't spend all of my money and I don't overreach and I take care of this and I take care of that. You can see the analogy here. It just doesn't fit, right? We try and smash it down, it doesn't fit. Everybody seen this? This is a new thing to anybody? To the two people, okay, good. We'll keep going. This, this gets incredible really quickly, right? So these are the things we're supposed to do and then the, the sand represents the things we, we have to do, right? So let's try it again. Put the first things first, right? And you go back to like marriage, kids, show up to work, don't be a bad person, don't get mad in traffic, follow all the rules. And then we go to the things we're supposed to do. If you put the things in the right order, you pray about it, you let God work in your life, Say, God, I, I want to do the right things. I want to be a good person. Help me find a way. Not done yet. I love you guys clapped. You've already seen this before. You knew it worked. Right? Amen. Hallelujah. God will come through for each and every one of us. This is a great analogy. You want to know how I know this works, though? I measured it. Before everybody got here, I know the Pompa family was here. You probably saw me setting this up. Just so you know, the only way this analogy works is if you prepare it to. This is what I don't like about this analogy. And I'll be honest, I've done this before. And I didn't do it in like a, a tongue-in-cheek sort of way. I did it like, hey, kids, we're trying to become members of a productive part of society. This is what you can do, and if you do these things, everything will work itself out, and I believe that. But let me ask you this. If this was your day, and this was your life, and everything was pre-measured, Think back to your entire year, this year, through everything you've gone through, through all of the social pressures, through all the politics. How many of you feel like you've had a day just like this? Where like, you had all 12 of your things, you're like, I'm gonna put those first, and then you did, 
and then time just worked itself out and you hit all of your marks and everything was perfect. It felt like it was pre-measured. How many of you have had at least one day like this this year? Two? Three? Yeah. Keith is the only one. Good for you, Keith. <laughs> oh, just two. Or 12? A few. The problem with this analogy is this is how it sits. It sits as a perfect representation. It is the most ideal of ideals because I pre-measured the exact amount of sand that will fit with this exact amount of balls. Before you all got here, I can say this is real and it is real. But for humanity, we're gonna get about two days of this every year. And it's 2020 next year, which makes it an election year. So we're going to get one of these days next year. <laughs> All right? So this is good. But here's my fear in this. My fear in this is that this is one size fits all. This is saying if you do the right things in the right order and everything lines up, this is the way God wants your life to be. And that is beautiful. Amen. Hallelujah. But it's only when it's perfect. And when we start to say that one size fits all, it's the one thing that's going to work, and this is the one thing that's going to draw you closer to Christ, we potentially leave out the other 364 days. And unfortunately, we can't just prescribe the ideal to everybody because sometimes that sort of hits you in the wrong way. If I told you this right now and you came in today and you were feeling broken, this doesn't feel so good because I'm trying and I can't seem to get the, the numbers to work, and I can't get the ratios right, and I keep running out of sand, or I keep running out of space, and it gets a little hairy. I want to show you a video of another version of what happens when you let one-size-fit-all become your connection between you and Christ or you and spirituality. I'm going to take a look at this video really quick. And I was running a youth group. I was there for a few years. And um, he was just, he was a nice kid, but he was one of those kids that was always just, he's a real smart aleck. He was, just, was, was a bright kid, which didn't help things, right? Made him more dangerous. And we were outside one day, youth group, and uh, he was just, just trying to push my buttons. And he was just, you know, kind of not taking the Lord serious. And I walked over to him and I went, bam! I punched him in the chest as hard as I, I crumpled the kid. I just crumpled him. And I said, I leaned over and I said, Ben, when are you going to stop playing games with God? I led that man to the Lord right there. There's times that that might be needed. There was a young man in, in Calvary. Uh, his name was Ben. And I was running a youth group. I was there for a few years. And um, he was just, he was a nice kid, but he was one of those kids that was always just, back again, he's just a real smart aleck. He was, just, was, was a bright kid which didn't help things, right? Made them more dangerous. And we were outside one day. We could watch it again, but I feel like you got the point with the first punch to the chest. One size fits all ministry. It worked for Ben, apparently, according to Pastor Eric, who says you punch a kid square in the chest and you ask him the question, Ben, when are you going to stop playing games with God? which I think makes the worst youth ministry strategy ever. 
So I show this one to be accountable to my own ministry. That's not how we're going to run things here, unless we get a Ben. Although we have a Ben, so I feel like I should be really careful wherever Ben is. Ben, you're safe. There you are, Ben. I'm not going to punch you in the chest, buddy. (laughs) But this is how we run it. Sometimes we are in the ideal state. Sometimes it takes a punch in the chest, but sometimes a punch in the chest is not what we're looking for. I had this first one here, which is this one, right? So this is the first one. But what happens when uh, really we're more like this one? We don't really have as much space, right? We do our best, but we can't have as many priorities. And then life sorts of hits us like this. Well, I can do that many, but I don't know about any more than that because I've got a whole bunch of other stuff I have to deal with. So let's just try this. And then that's your Monday, right? Well, good enough. Good enough. And then Tuesday happens, but you haven't resolved yet what happened on Monday, and then unfortunately it starts to look like this. Anybody? And then time hits you again, and then it gets a little bit harder, and by Wednesday... And Thursday... I'm not even going to talk about Friday. Sometimes this is us, right? Anybody today feeling like this? Sand all over the place, looking a mess? Sometimes, unfortunately, it's worse than that. This is the same size one from before. It should look familiar. But let's be clear, sometimes it's like this. And that's Monday. Tuesday. Still Tuesday. This is around tax season, usually. Wednesday. Anybody? Seems about right. How about this one? Anybody feeling like this today? Some of them fit. God, I went for a run. I did my devotional. That's Monday. Tuesday. Wednesday, well, this one doesn't fit. Well, this one, because I had to go to traffic school. And then Thursday, oh, wait, a week. Anybody? Can't juggle 12, but there's three and a half in there. I feel like this is probably closer to some of us. Anybody? Monday. Tuesday. Wednesday. 
Thursday traffic school again. Shouldn't have run that red light. And there's your week and you're already full. Anybody feeling like this? Maybe more often than the ideal? I'm going to do my devotional today. Most of it. And then Tuesday, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to fit this in. Anybody feel like this more often this year? Monday. Anybody? If anybody is feeling like this, the fact that you're here today may actually be a miracle. Because this is already too much. And some people felt like this a lot this year. Some people were closer to this, where the priorities sort of fell out of balance, but... I did what I had to do and I, I went to traffic school and sometimes it feels more like this one where we're, if we're careful, we can kind of fit it in and had a couple of weeks like this this week and well, I don't want to talk about this one. That was, a, that was a rough few days. Anybody feeling like this? I'll take your silence as a definitely. See, this is closer to us. This is closer to our reality. And unfortunately, I've got 45 more pounds of sand, like 20 more balls that we have to fit into next year. So I wanted to talk about this so that we could talk about the rest of it and say that sometimes it's not the ideal. Sometimes it's not the one size fits all. Sometimes it's actually, we need to do better. We need to do better. And the ugly gifting is trying to tell you if you put the things in the right order, God will make the rest of it work, and he will, but he might only do that for you a couple of times this next year. But even faithful people can find ways to make this work. If you try your best, you lean on God, you can make those things work. But this doesn't always fit, and this is dangerous, and this isn't actually a good place for us to stay because a broken vessel is not a full vessel, even when it's at its capacity like it is right now. And really, we need to start getting to a place where we're better about gifting to one another. And unfortunately, I think we do this more often. We get to a place where it's like, yes, I survived this week. And then someone's like, man, I've been really going through it. And you're like, oh, I have this perfect thing for you. Here, I'm not using this anymore. But this isn't actually a good gift. This isn't it. Some of us come out of our broken state and then we're like, yeah, my friend's going through it too. Let me just, here, I'm not using this anymore. Merry Christmas. But that's not a good gift. That's bad regifting. We can see this in the animal kingdom as well. I have a second video for you, which is uh, a lot less punchy than this one. But take a look. We'll take a page out of the animal kingdom to figure out how to regift better. Even a bad shell. Better than being homeless. So if we were to re-gift our broken glass vessels, 
Sometimes it's better than nothing. But David Attenborough makes the point that even with the hole, that crab is probably in some trouble pretty quick here because it was no bigger than the one he had before. And so he potentially gets stuck in where he was and he doesn't grow. He doesn't get any bigger. He doesn't get any better than he was before. And that's what happens when we do this for other people. We're also a part of the animal kingdom and unfortunately sometimes we have these shells that we prescribe to other people. And we simply say, oh, I know what will work. I tried this for myself. We pass this thing on and potentially we're harming each other, one shell after another, after another, and people aren't growing. And they're not becoming who they should become. They're not becoming who God wants them to be. Sometimes that means prescribing a shell that's way too big or that's too ideal, that fits all the perfect principles. And sometimes it's a, it's a bad thing because regifting, good regifting is not about offloading the things we don't want or lo- no longer need. Good regifting takes into consideration the receiver before the giver. Because if I just unload the stuff I don't want anymore, then you have it and you put it in that one closet that I have. Yours is on the left when you walk into your front door, mine is on the right. We all have that closet, that drawer, places we stash stuff. And unfortunately, sometimes these bad gifts can be more than a candle that smells like sea breeze. Sometimes it's saying, well, God is this kind of person. Or sometimes we do it by accident. Sometimes we say things like, oh, I'm so sorry for your loss, but it's just part of God's plan. And then we pass bad theology on. And then, unfortunately, we assess that to God and not to the person who handed it to us. And then we get mad at somebody who wasn't the giver, but a bad giver who wasn't following the capital G giver. And it really starts to make a mess. If we take into consideration the, the receiver more than the giver, the only way to do that is to look to Christ. And think about the gift he gave. We're celebrating communion today. And think about that gift. What if Christ would have thought of himself before he thought of the receiver? Would we still have a crucifixion? Would we still have this story? Would we still have the second greatest gift that God ever gave to humanity? The first was on Christmas. And what's very strange is three days later, we're celebrating the end of the story. But just three days ago, it felt like the start. And there's something significant about that, about that gap in time, the gap in the gift, this understanding of what it means to receive. God gave the greatest gift himself to us. He gave his body and it was broken for our good. And he spilled his blood for our salvation and not for his own. True regifting isn't about prescribing a one-size-fits-all solution unless it is this gift of communion. It's the only thing that fits in the ideal. It's the only thing that we can say assuredly. It's the one gift that we can re-gift to you over and over and over again. And it will always be as good as the first one because it always had you in mind the first time. And so re-gifting that over and over and over again doesn't enhance it. It doesn't take away. If you've done communion before and you take it again, you're like, well, I've already had this meal. It's not really how that works. You've never had this one because you've never had the moments that you had leading up to this moment. You've never been this person. This time you're coming up as a broken vessel. This time you're coming up as that minor t- teacup. Before you came up as the ideal, 
man, I'm having a good day. Bread and juice, easy. But today it might not go down as easy. Today, because of what you went through this year, it may be a little bit tougher, but it's still a good gift, and it's for all of you. Seventh-day Adventist Church practices an open communion, which means there are no gates to hop over. You're welcome to be a part of it no matter who you are. You can be baptized into the church. You can be someone of faith, or you can be somebody who just walked in today and went, I don't know what's going on, but I want to be a part of that thing. You're welcome here at this table. And we're re-gifting to you today what Christ already gifted to us. A true, good re-gifting isn't prescribing our own used shell. It isn't passing on bad theology. It's saying to God, I'm going to walk with God through this moment. I'm going to pray about this thing. Whatever Jen needs this week, I might not already have it, but let's talk to God about it. Let's figure out what God's got going on. And then we'll figure out what gift goes perfectly for you. True regifting is done in three ways. It's done with the Spirit's guidance, the Son's compassion, and the Father's wisdom. In 2019, what were you regifted? What were you given? What was in the deck that was dealt to you? And then ask yourself this Do you want to regift yourself in 2020 what you're carrying as baggage and weight from 2019? Or do you want to leave it here, right now, today? And whatever shell you're crawling around in, you can leave it behind in the pew in just a moment. We're going to invite everybody up to this table here in order to put on a new shell, a shell you're going to need for 2020. I can almost guarantee it. It's a little bit bigger, a little bit more spacious, and definitely doesn't have holes in it. Because the only two holes that I can think of were on the wrists of the guy who brought it to us the first time. And those are his scars and not ours. So don't follow your own footsteps into 2019. Instead, follow the footsteps of Christ. The greatest gift the world has ever seen came in the form of a baby. And the death of that same baby grown into a man died and come again. All for our sins to be here with us. So into this new year we go. Happy New Year. Peace be with you.